the movie says, you know, the airplane just falls out of the sky. Oh, that never happens. Jumbo jets have two engines for a reason, right? One engine goes down. The airplane's designed to operate off of one engine. Good to know. That's yeah, good to know, right? To get on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fly 15 times a month. Do you, where do you fly? What, air, what airline? Uh, it just depends on where I can get a deal. I'll go Spirit if I have to. Really? I, oh, yeah. I love that oh, reference yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Like, these are three. Oh, y'all weren't in this. Uh, John Lee had, he had uh, American Airlines, he had Spirit, and then he had Southwest Airlines. He goes, there's three different airlines here. They all do the same thing, but they do it in a different way. And so he said, um, you know, like American Airlines, you know that it's just going to be, you, you know what you're going to get. Southwest, he's like, you may get on there and they may wrap the safety protocol, right? He said, Spirit, it's every man for themselves. <laughs> like, it's like, you know what you're getting when you're getting there. It's a cattle call. You hope you make the airplane. You hope it's on time, but you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. I've, I've never had a bad experience. And the, the crafts were nice and new, spacious. Like, I, they get a bad rap. Didn't but, they just uh, get acquired by JetBlue or something like that? I, I believe so. Oh, no, I don't like Spirit. Bad experience. You, we're, you, I, I don't think any of us can fit in the seats. Like, oh, that's true. I, yeah. I can't. Like, I'll just be cramped the whole time. Mine were big, spacious. What? Yeah. I'm like sitting there. I've never like had this. an issue. I went to Oklahoma City. Uh, we went to the Send. Like, never had an issue with them. I don't fly them a lot, but when I have, it hasn't been an issue. Are we rolling? Welcome to the True Labs podcast. It's the lab. I oh, know, I'm sorry. I, I, just, I, I, I see True Labs and I just... Right. <laughs> so, uh, we're good. We're rolling. Everything's synced. Do we need to clap? We're good. <laughs> so weak. We're good. So weak. So, uh, Andrew, we got uh, we got you signed up. You came and you worked out with us, and I have been so excited to meet you. Right, uh, we've been talking back and forth on social media for for a couple of weeks, maybe even a month. Yeah. But, dude, I am so excited to meet you. And and the reason I'm excited about it, and we were talking about this a second ago, was because you have a message. You have you have some things that you want to impart into this next generation, right? And um, I want to touch on that. I want to talk about your story. I just want to hit so much. Like, yeah. uh, I just kind of want to peel back the onion a little bit, right? So, so what is God teaching you? What are, what are you feeling like right now that God's helping you to impart into the next generation? What do you feel like you're called to do? Oh, man, what I feel in this season is just really imparting consistency and discipline yeah um and then integrity so discipline consistency and integrity to the the younger generation um really men young men and just showing them what it is it's something that i lack not having a father growing up uh, uh bouncing around from home to home i didn't have consistency because i didn't have any parents there was no discipline and because of the life i lived there was zero integrity and i saw where that life led and so it's uh really it's really what God has put on my heart as far as a mission goes. So, so we, and we were talking about this too, like not having that example growing up, right? How is God training you to be the example you didn't have? Like, what does that look like? And, and we can talk about like your January and of, of 2020 and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Yeah. 
I was recently at a, a, a Young Guns event. They get 50 of the top uh, men in the Christian space, whether they're pastors or influencers or in business. But we had John Eldridge mm-hmm. come in and speak, and he's written several books on being a man. Uh, his most famous being Wild at Heart. And something that he said was that you can't take men where you're not willing to go. Ooh. And when he said that, it's just like, we can be leaders, but we have to lead by example. And so for me, it's being consistent in fitness, uh, in my marriage, in my devotions, uh, my, the way I study the, the Bible, my prayer life, all of those things. So, so let's, let's come back and let's say, who was Andrew Carter 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Like, let's go back into that story and tell people your story. I don't think, I didn't know your story, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know about some of the things you've been through. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you, where'd you go to high school? Yeah, I went to Corvallis High School. Where is that at? That is in Oregon. Oregon, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's why you're a Trailblazers fan. Man, uh, and a Beaver fan, Oregon <laughs> State Beavers. <laughs> that's, right. that's where we, I went to school. So what did what a high school look for you? What happened after high school? Like, you know, yeah. tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, high school, uh, I played sports, but I was partying, drinking, uh, chasing after women, like relentlessly. Um, my mom and dad were both drug addicts. Wow. And so I didn't really have a relationship with my dad, but my mom, the way that she put me through school was through prostitution and through selling drugs and through boosting. So um, where a lot of kids, they have to hide pornography and weed and alcohol. My mom gave me all that. So she gave me my first pound of weed when I was 12. Uh, and she's like, break it down and sell it. Like, if you want you know, lunch money kind of thing. Um, sex was normal. It was talked about. Uh, I had centerfold posters on my wall and she didn't care. Like she supplied the Playboys and things like that. And so uh, the way that I grew up in the lens at which I looked at life was really, uh, it, it was different, <laughs> to yeah, say the least. Yeah, that is It was different. different. So I could have parties at my house. People came to my house and, you know, we'd have a, a porno on the TV. We'd be drinking and it was all usually supplied by my mom. We'd be smoking weed. Kids were having sex all over the place. Like it was, it was a party. My, my, my high school years and growing up was an absolute party. Wow. So what did you think? Like, what were the thoughts going through your head? You know, like, this is normal? Or would, would other kids be like, wow, we're going to Carter's house. Like, Carter's house is, is, is where it's at, right? That's so funny. That's literally, he called me Carter. Like, that was, <laughs> it was Carter's house. That's, yeah. that's funny. Um, yeah, I thought it was the norm. Um, I surrounded myself with kids who were from the same kind of background. So my closest circle all had problems at home. Their moms and dads did drugs and were in abusive and violent situations. And so we kind of grouped together. And, you know, it was, it was the norm. If we weren't partying at my house, we were at my buddy Mike's house and we were doing the same thing. And so, uh, it was the norm to me. Were you mean kids? Were y'all picking on other guys? Were y'all, were y'all the cool kids? I mean, like, what is that? A little bit of everything. So we all played sports. We were good at sports. Uh, many of us had, you know, D1 or D2 offers in basketball, uh, and, and football, things like that. So we were cool, but, uh, we weren't really bullies, but I mean, we, we could get mean. Um, yeah. and, and as it progressed junior and senior year towards the end of our senior year, uh, you know, there was a lot more theft and fights and guns and like, it just, it got worse. It, it started as innocent, you know, high school fun, having a good time. And then as it prolonged, the drugs got harder and the way that we lived definitely got harder as well. So did you go to college after that? Not after that. I eventually did go to college, but, um, I, I went and took one term and realized that it wasn't for me, but I got a girl pregnant uh, right after high school, yeah, at 19 years old. So you became a young dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a, a, a dad at 19. Wow. Yeah. And so what, after that, you, you, you know, you're, you're a young dad, 19, 
did you get a job? What, what, oh, yeah. what did you do? Yeah, I jumped into the workforce. So I started pulling green chain. I started uh, doing roofing. I started building manufactured homes. So um, you became a man young. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you're like, you're like, Hey, I got a kid now. I got to provide. Like the thing it. was, yeah, it, it was like, I, the, the, the girl I got pregnant was a Mexican gal and, uh, they don't play no games. And so her dad <laughs> pulled me aside and was like, you're going to marry my daughter and you know, you're going to, you're going to man up. And so I didn't have a choice. And so I married the girl. Uh, she was six months pregnant when we got married. Um, and I, I went straight to work. I started going and, uh, getting, getting paid, trying to do what I could do. And so Two years later, had another kid. Um, so I got my, my kids are two years apart. So at 21, you know, I had a 401k. I was I had my hard hat, had my my toolbox, and I, I was going to work, man. Like that was my future. I was like, this is it. And so uh, I went and provided for my family. So you were the provider, you were the protector. But where was your relationship? Like where where was your relationship with your wife going? How was that? And I mean, obviously, I guess, was God in your life at this time? Jesus in your life at this time? I, I had accepted Christ at 17. I um, heard the gospel for the first time and, and received it. But, you know, I went right back to my same situation. I didn't get into church. There was no discipleship. There was no leadership, no male modeling, like what it looked like. And so my relationship with my wife uh, at the time was it was violent. It was unhealthy. It was toxic. I didn't know what it was to be a man or to be a husband or to be a father. I was quite literally a kid uh, who put in a, a tough situation and I did the thing that I thought that was right uh, by marrying her and making her an honest woman, but I wasn't ready for marriage. I wasn't ready for fatherhood. Um, you know, I was still drinking, smoking weed behind the scenes. Uh, our relationship was abusive both ways. Like it was bad. It was a toxic, toxic. So when did things really turn? Like wh where was that, where was that, that thing when everything kind of the fit hit the shan, right? Yeah, no, that's, that's good. It, it was about uh, 22, 23. Um, ended up getting into a, a fight with her brother, my, my ex-wife's brother. We were drinking at the house and uh, got into it. And I went to jail. And when I went to jail, I went to jail for about six months. And during that time, while I was sitting in there waiting for my sentencing, you know, she went off and started living her life. Um, I was in there and, and I met a little uh, a Mexican dude named Puppet. And, you know, he, he was, we'd walk around and do push-ups and, and whatnot. And he started telling me about reading the Bible. And so that was like my first form of discipleship was when I was in the county jail. And, you know, he broke down how I should be reading. He's like, hey, man, you got to read your Bible every day. I was like, well, where do you start? You know, and he was like, well, there's 31 days in a month. And he goes, there's 31 Proverbs. So whatever day of the month is, you know, read that proverb. So if it's the first, read Proverbs 1. If it's the 30th, read Proverbs 30. So that was like my first form of getting it back into the word and like understanding, you know, that what it is to have a relationship with God. And the crazy part is during that six months, um, he had a girlfriend, uh, a baby's mom on the outside. And he was like, yeah, my girl's going to church. And I was like, that's really cool. You know, that's awesome. And uh, when I got out, I got back with my ex-wife and I was telling her, yo, you know, we should go to church. And she's like, I've actually been going. And she was going with this guy's girlfriend. So there was like this divine appointment and supernatural intercession. So when he got out of jail, I was going to church with the same guy who was discipling me in prison. Unfortunately, he didn't get his life together. He was in and out of jail and ended up dying of a heroin overdose. But um, he was uh, the first person who really 
<laughs> showed me what it is to have a relationship with God. So you were, so you were married. So you've been married now to to another. We can talk about that. But how long were you married to your first wife? Uh, fourteen years. Fourteen years. Yeah, yeah. We were together for uh, for seventeen. So from seventeen to thirty four, we were together and married fourteen of those years. And I think the national average right now is like four or five years. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so fourteen years. Yeah. You All right. Go. So <clears throat> I want to dive into this because. So I was, I was raised completely different. My, my dad's a pastor, mom, a pastor's wife, but, um, my life looked a lot like your life. Wow. And, um, you know, minus, minus a few things and then adding a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's crazy that the different environments we come from, but ending up in the, in kind of the same space in the same place and broken and a lot of pain having made a lot of mistakes you know anyone no matter where you came up can be can be in this position yeah. and why do you think that is like mm. i think people are searching for acceptance they're searching for belonging they're searching for purpose and many times they're they're looking in all the wrong places you know you could probably look back at your life as i can and see different times where there were interventions. There were opportunities for me to choose a different route. And it, it's all in retrospect, right? I can right. look back and, oh, well, this guy reached out and this happened and this happened and this was protection. Uh, but but it's, it's a part of life's journey uh, of searching and finding. And you know, the beauty of it, the grace and, and the, the, the poetic part is that here we are serving the Lord you know, and, and found our way back, found that purpose, that acceptance, and that belonging in Christ. Yeah, uh, we've said this so many times, and I, I just gonna, I'm just going to keep hounding it, but Chris Lerma, who's my ride or die, right? He's my guy who shows up every morning and works out with me. He's a pastor at Milestone Church. He says there's four, way God, four ways that God speaks to you through prayer, through the Bible, through trusted advisors, or through painful circumstances. Mm. Some of us just like pain. Like Some mm. of us just won't listen to the first three, right? So in my life, as... as as I've been raised and, and the things that I've had to go through, was it because it was because I was lacking something. I was lacking one of the fruits of the spirit. I was lacking, I was lacking humility. I was full of pride. I, you know, so those, I had to go through painful circumstances because I'm a, I'm a hard learner. I'm a slow learner. Right. Yeah. So, so those things that I had to go through, um, makes me when you when you go through door number four you really want to listen to door number one two or three first because mm-hmm. you, you want to avoid what's called the dumb tax right so many guys to say look if you'll listen to me i'll help you avoid the dumb tax in life don't make the same mistakes that i've made right right so um so you you, you were married for 14 years yeah. then what happened yeah so well when i was in that church that was like a real pivotal season of life um the church that I was going to, we were there and the whole purpose of that church was to plant churches. And so it was a church that was like built on discipleship. So I was in this church for about two years and was going through somewhat of an intensive training to be a pastor. And so I went from like a kid who was up to no good to working in the, the workforce to now um, finally getting the discipleship that I, I think that I needed and I know that I needed. And so um, we had an evangelist come to town. And we would do these revivals every year. And this evangelist who came to town would always speak a word over people's lives, like a prophetic word. And the previous year, my first year there, I watched him speak over different people's lives and then watched those words unfold. 
And so knowing that he was coming, I was like, oh, dude, I need a word, right? Yeah. But you can't just like ask him like, hey, man of God, give me a word. He would choose people, one person at the end of each night of revival. And so this whole week goes by and I'm just like praying, I'm fasting, I'm on my knees like, God, something's got to break. I got two kids. I'm working this dead end job. There's no end in sight. And so for me, I'm thinking like, man, I want a financial breakthrough. God, let me win the lottery. Let me get like a windfall, a great uncle who dies, who like leaves me a Like that was my heart posture because I wanted out of my situation. So on the seventh night of revival, this guy uh, calls me up. He's just like, you come up here. And I'm just like, I feel like the heavens have opened and God's just like smiling on me. I go to the front and he goes, uh, Andrew, Yes, Lord. He goes, you've been called the ministry. Oh, He says, you have words of gold and you're going to speak to millions of people about Jesus. And this is like uh, 2006, 2007. I'm like 23 years old at the time. I don't know a million people. I don't like to talk to anybody. So my words are not gold. And I didn't want to be in ministry because my pastor had 10 kids. He laid tile full time. Like the picture of ministry looked horrible. That's not what I wanted to do. And so You'd be like, hey, you got the wrong Andrew. That's what I, that's why I was like, you got the wrong Andrew. Because two weeks later, I left the church. I was just like, I, I went to my pastor and I was like, hey, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want, I don't know a million. I got MySpace. I got 13 people. I got my grandma and, you know, uh, 12, 12 aunts and uncles. I don't know a million people. This wasn't social media, you know. So I ended up leaving the church, walked away. So that word actually caused you to kind of almost relinquish. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Instead of pressing into what? I mean, the word, that's so funny. The word you went there for every night. I bet you were there every night, right? Every night. And you're like, man, God, I just want, Lord, I want to know what you want to say. And then God says something into your life. Right. Speaks. And you're like, no, I don't, no, I don't want that one. Give me something else. Exactly. Like, can we, can we just kind of like roll the machine and yeah. see if we can get something else going? Let's because try it again. that's not the one I wanted. No, it didn't line up with what I wanted. He answered my prayer faithfully. Mm. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. Mm. And that's what I've learned. I mean, time and time again. God will answer our prayers. Many times people say, well, God's not talking to me. He's not answering my prayers. And it's like, oh, no, he's, he's talking. He's not answering the prayer you want. Exactly. It's, you're not getting what there, you want. There's a, mm. a story in the Bible. I, like, I literally can't remember the names just because I just can't. But there's, uh, I don't know if it's, there's a, a warrior and he's sent to a prophet because he has leprosy. And the prophet says, go bathe in the river and, and get in seven times or something like that. Mm. And um, he was like, why would I, like, it's like he gets mad at this prophet. He's like, why would I do that? Like, what are you talking about? Just like, touch me and heal me. Right. Well, his people behind, with him, the guys that got sent with him, were like, just, you know, just try it. And he does it. And he goes to the river and he does it. He jumps in seven different times and bathes. And I don't even know if I'm getting the numbers right. But he gets out and he's healed. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, he's praying, he's asking for healing. And God says, I need you to do this. You speak to this, through this prophet, and he does it, even though he doesn't want to do it. And he's, honestly, he's, he's pissed off that the guy even told him to do this. Right. Just, this it just reminds me a lot about, about that. Like, my story is, you know, addicted to drugs for a long time, and I can't tell you how many times I went down for prayer. <laughs> like, God, yeah. you got to take this, take this, please, like, 10 years and uh, finally, my dad calls me. It's like a year ago. He calls me and he goes, you're going to rehab. And I was like, they can't help me. I don't like, they can't help me. And, um, but I knew I had to go. And I knew that it was the answer to my question. But 
I was so mad that I had to because number one, I didn't want to be away from my wife, even though she wanted me there and she was probably sick of me at that point mm -hmm. and everyone was sick of me. Um, so I went and felt that pain and sat through that and God used it to heal me, but it's not the way I would have wanted God to heal me. Right. Right. You know, Never but, is. but I wouldn't take it back. So second yeah. Kings five. Yes. It was Naaman. 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 Yes. And it was Elisha. Right? So not yes. Elijah, but the, his, his predecessor, man, we got to talk about this for a second. So I love what he says. Cause he gets so pissed off. Cause he's like, go wash seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. But Naaman got angry. Naaman was like you, bro. Naaman got angry and left saying, I was telling myself he will surely come out and stand and call in the name of Yahweh as God and will wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. It's the way that he wanted his miracle, you know? And he said, and then he gets really funny. He says, uh, he says, aren't the waters, he say, aren't the waters in the Damascus and all this other, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he left and he turned in a rage. In a rage. Why was he angry? He was angry because his miracle didn't look the way that he wanted. He, he didn't want God's miracle. He wanted his miracle. That's right. Let's talk about your miracle. Yeah. What are you doing now? Uh, talking to millions. Speaking to millions of people, <laughs> writing books with words of gold, and I'm in ministry. So doing exactly what I was called to do over 12 years ago, uh, living that out. I, just, I also liken it to Jonah. Jonah was called to speak to Nineveh, and he was like, I'm not going to do that. And he goes his other way and ends up in the belly of a well. And my belly of the well was over a decade of, of running from God and the calling. And uh, at the end of the day, it was just like I had to relent. I had to go, okay, you're, clearly I don't know what I'm doing with my existence. You made me, and what I'm living for doesn't make sense. There's no purpose. There's no peace. There's, no, there's nothing. So let me go back to what it is that you called me to. And that's where I found purpose, peace, happiness, joy. So I was saying this, uh, to, I've been saying this to a couple of friends lately. Um, when, you, when you get closer to the Lord, it's like you unlock different levels. It's like a video game. Like you get to level 12, level 13, level 14, level 15. And God created you, right? Like he made the DNA inside of you. Like God put things inside of you that you don't unlock till you get to certain levels. Desires and emotions and, and gifts and all these other things, right? So like, I want to get to level 14, 15, I want to get to level 20. And then like, as I get to certain these things, so, so one of the things that God's been developing me is like, I love praying with people. I love, I love being a tool for the Holy Spirit to use to really speak into somebody. So sometimes I'll be praying for somebody and God will tell me something about somebody. I'm like, man, this is so cool. Like, this is stuff you can't buy, stuff you can't earn. It's totally a grace, a tool that the Lord lets you have, right? So, so now, Andrew Carter, like... Are you, are you being more fulfilled? Are you more joyous? Do you have more hope? Yes, the things are stronger, but tell me about the joy that comes in with really, with, 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 with the word that God gave you and saying, man, I don't want it my way. I want his way because his plan is better, right? Tell me about like the joy and, and so, I mean, you can still have trials, right? Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. But tell me, like, what's it like to be Andrew Carter? People want to know, like, man, I see this guy on Instagram. He's on TikTok. Andrew Carter. Like, that's, <laughs> that's my boy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm so grateful because God didn't waste any of those lessons, hardships, or trials. Um, he didn't waste any of them. And so going to prison, divorce, foster care, addiction, 
all of that pain in his sovereignty, he's able to turn that to purpose. Mm. And so now I'm able to work with God behind bars and, and work with in-pit prison ministry because I've been there. Uh, I can now have a successful or have uh, a different insight in marriage ministry because I've been there. I failed that, uh, but now have a different perspective on what it looks like to succeed. Um, I work with kids in foster care. That's one of the, the missions that we uh, are really, you know, interested in because I've been in foster care. I know what wow. it looks like. So it's a joy to be me because I understand that everything that I've gone through um, and even many of them, they were, they were decisions that I made. Nobody, God didn't put me in prison. I put me in prison, my decisions and actions, but in his sovereignty and his grace and his love and mercy, he was able to use that to now add value to the ministry that he's called me to. This is one of my favorite favorite quotes, but uh, I never trusted a man who didn't have any scars because he never believed in anything worth fighting for. I think you got the scars. <laughs> and the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I think about that, it's like, people want to know, can you help me? You don't, they, they say, you know, the, the cop out, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Andrew Carter does, yeah. right? Real, I mean, because you've yeah. been there, yeah. right? Yeah. So what's it look like? You, you talked about being a, being a man of discipline and of consistency. And we're talking about, you know, Gen Z now. We're talking about the millennials, but really more Gen Z. Um, how do you show, how do you, how does it, what's it look like to be a man of God, to be a masculine male in this generation that's so kind of, it's kind of soft, right? Like nobody wants to show up on time. Nobody wants to. He's nobody wants me. to. He's calling me out. Nobody right wants. Man. To, yeah. Nobody <laughs> wants long term commitment. Right, right. Right. It's like you know, do what you feel. Yeah. I mean, what does that look like? Man, I was thrust into responsibility at a young age. So when you're work, when when you have kids to support at 19 years old, you can't be late. You got to be disciplined. You got to be consistent because like there's people relying on you. And so I, I believe that that was a gift. Uh, of having to get up at four every day to go build houses. And so that's quite literally translated to my life. Um, as you know, I'm a CrossFit guy, CrossFit yeah. guy for life, owned a CrossFit gym for six years, uh, would teach a 5 a.m. class. So it, no, matter, no matter what season I was in in life since the time I was 18, 19 years old, I've always gotten up early. I've always, you know, attacked the day. I had to become a man real quick. Um, and, and so what that looks like being a man of God now is just like, uh, living with integrity, um, telling the truth, even when it's not convenient or when it hurts, um, because this, this world's so quick to, we'll lie about everything. Like if you're going to be late, it's like, oh, well, I have car issues. No, mm -hmm. you didn't. You just didn't manage your time very mm -hmm. well. And so I realized that if I'm not going to be, uh, or have integrity in the smaller areas of my life, when bigger stuff happens, I'm not going to have any integrity in those moments. So, uh, integrity, consistency, and discipline, because this is, this is what I'll say. Um, Consistency and discipline are true and tried and tested equations that will always equal results. Um, and, and take that out of wait, like, wait, wait. Say that again. Say that again. Y'all need to write this down. Say that yeah. again. <laughs> discipline and consistency are true, trusted, and tested equations that will always equal results. Ooh. And and that goes in your finances. If you're disciplined and you do it consistently, you'll get more money. In your spiritual life, if you're disciplined and consistent, so you read your word and you pray on a regular basis, you're going to have a better, deeper understanding of who Christ is and who you are in him. 
uh, physical fitness. If you show up and you do it consistently, you're going to reach your goals and, and, and hit your, your markers because um, I just think that, I think that we overlooked that. A lot of people want what they want and they want it now. They're not willing to build brick by brick, but anything worth having is going to take time and effort and energy. Yeah. You're, you're a big man, right? Like, like I'm a big guy. You're a big guy, right? So I, I love that. I, I love the fact that, that you make time and that you put as, as a priority to take care of your body, right? The temple of God, right? Jesus lives inside you. You're, you're now the temple. Um, why? why? Why should people make an effort? I always think of like, I want to be fit for the call. Imagine God calls me to sell everything and go to a third world country to preach the gospel. Yeah. I don't want there to be an excuse because uh, I, I don't got the stamina or the energy. I'm training for life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I want to be fit for what it is that God calls me. I never want that to be an excuse or a cop out because I didn't take care of, I didn't steward well my health. You know? Yeah, you're preparing. I'm preparing. Also, yeah. if aliens were to come or zombies, <laughs> 100%. just in case. Uh, yeah. You know, you never know. Yeah. There's a funny, there's a great, there's, there's a, that's a funny story, but what I, I love this, this quote also, I'm, I'm kind of a quote guy today for some reason, but pray for peace, but prepare for war. Right. So like, if you can do anything at any time, anywhere, you know, I, I, I bought, I bought my son Maverick. I bought him a motorcycle, a dirt bike. Why'd I buy a motorcycle? Well, I'll tell you why. Cause if he goes to a third world country, he needs to know how to drive a motorcycle. If he wants to learn how to drive a standard, it's a great, great way to learn how to, I mean, you got to change through gears. You got to learn how to work a clutch. How many people now today, they, they don't know how to drive a standard. They're on, they're on TikTok. Like, hey, how do I drive a standard? Well, you start the engine. You have to push in the clutch first and you have to make sure it's in neutral, right? Before you put it in gear. And then people just don't know, right? So these life skills is the same thing, same thing for, for physical fitness. God says, go and tell the world about me. Go and preach the gospel. Well, if you can't walk, if you can't get off the couch, if you can't get the remote out of your hand, if you can't get off of your phone, how are you going to go and tell people about the Lord? It's important to me. I got a, I got a question. So say the person watching this right now, they're at their so-called rock bottom. They're hopeless. They have no way. Well, there is a way, but they, they feel stuck. There's like for me, it was like, hard to implement discipline and consistency because it was just like everything was foggy and what do you say to them like they're they it's like how do they how do i get out of this what do i need to do like help me tell me give me an action point yeah uh, i always believe in, in one day at a time um try one day at a time and and if you fail try again because failure is not final until you stop trying. And so uh, I, I'm just a big proponent. A lot of people will come in when I was in fitness, they'd come in and they're like, I want to lose 90 pounds. And it's like, okay, I love your goal. You know, the way that we're going to get there is one day at a time. Um, people want, they want these instant results. Again, it's just showing up day. And one of my favorite books is called uh, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And it's just a book that talks about, uh, habits, the power of habits and, and doing things day in and day out. If I work out once, I'm not going to have a six pack or be super strong. Right. But if I don't work out, not like I'm going to die and fall over, it's doing that habit consistently for an extended period of time. Same thing with like eating a salad, 
eating a salad, I'm not going to just see my six pack. If I don't eat a salad or eat like a burger, I'm not going to immediately get fat. It's repeating that habit consistently. And so for me, I focus on today, like this current moment, how can I optimize and be the best version of myself? I know to be the best version of myself, I should probably move today. Whether that's weightlifting, running, exercise, a sport, I should do something. So let me do that. Uh, I'm, I'm better when I read. So let me, let me spend a little bit of time, 5, 10, 15 minutes of reading, self-improvement. Um, let me make sure I get some good food and fuel my body. So for today, let me implement these things that push me closer towards my goal. And if I don't, like let's say I don't do one of these things, it's not the end of the world. I have tomorrow to try again. And That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be. And I think we, we talk about working out. And for me, that was step one, mm-hmm. was getting back in the gym. And it's like I didn't have the brain capacity because there was so much fear and worry to do everything. All I could do was work out. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, it was like it was like a spiritual experience of saying, like, God, this is all I got. But, like, I'm going to get in the gym today. And I'm going to give you this today. And it might not look like it looked like when I played college football, but it might be 15 minutes and it might be a few push-ups and a few pull-ups and a jog. Mm-hmm. But that, that physical movement like you're talking about can bring you closer to God. I, like, oh, yeah. And I think that's one thing that we forget. I think that's a, a missing piece in Christian society is like how important it is to to do to work out and to and to get after it because that was the thing that that sealed and began this moment of growing closer with god i was a, uh, I i was like two weeks into rehab it was july 4th of last year and man i was just like it was a pity party and yeah. i was playing victim and we got the day off usually we were in um group therapy and stuff like that but at that time a new show the terminal list came out with chris pratt mm-hmm. it's on amazon prime it's, it's, an, it's an amazing show yeah and so we had a media room there and so i like lock myself in the media room and i start watching it it's 10 episodes 10 hours i was in there for 10 hours but halfway <laughs> <Yeah. through. laughs> do you ever go to the bathroom or eat or anything no like that? i just sat there <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i'm still like withdrawing man i'm ha- i got like restless leg syndrome and like i'm i'm just pissed and like halfway through i'm just thinking and it's like these navy seals are six months on six months off i'm like these guys like are so tough and i'm over here two weeks i gotta be in here 90 days like why am i acting like this Mm -hmm. so i walk out after the 10th episode (laughs) and everyone's like where you been and i've been like watching tv like (laughs) but the the spiritual director was there he's a christian guy but in rehab you just you know you call it the spiritual director because there's a ton of different beliefs in there but he comes up to me he doesn't know what i've been doing and he looks at me and he goes god wants me to tell you um that you're in this time right now in training to become a navy seal for him wow and in that moment i was like okay i gotta start working out like that was the one thing that i start that i thought i have to work out the next step that's the next step for me i have to work out and so the next day every single day since then or not every single day but like literally every day in rehab i went and i grinded and i got the guys in there with me like let's grind let's sweat like let's release these endorphins we've been fueling our minds with like these drugs and everything like let's let's get back to 
like who we who we really are and like that thing that he said to me was pivotal but it had nothing to do with hey here's this verse it was god wants you to be a navy seal it's time to get in the gym man up yes that changed my life that's what i needed and then everything else followed so yeah what's amazing about this is is i saw jb a couple months after rehab and i knew jb pre-rehab right and what's amazing is god starts working something here before you see it here he starts working something emotional and spiritual before you see it here so when people see you they can see the countenance of christ because of the time you spend every day working here right in your heart and so uh i saw jb after that i'm like dude you look different and he's like man i went to rehab and I got back in shape, and I got back physically, spiritually, emotionally. I got connected with where the Lord wanted me. And I was like, I want to be around you now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah. this, there's this attraction that's like, I want to be, you know, Proverbs uh, twenty seven seventeen, right? As iron sharpens iron, so is one man to another. And like, I want to be around guys like that that make you better. You know, that, that quote says, show me your five closest friends, and I'll show you your future. I want to be around guys like that. I want to be, I want to be challenged. We were talking about this earlier. I always want to be connected. I want to be holding on to somebody who's, 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 who's at where I want to be. And I want to be bringing people up where they want to be where I'm at now. I'm connected in this chain, right? And uh, I just, I don't know, it's, uh, I get super excited about being around men that challenge me because I know that there's more. I know I can be better. I know that there's another stage that, that I get to, another level, right? Level 17, level 18, whatever it is. So that, that moment of him saying that to me was my surrender. What was yours? You said you ran for 10 years, but what was the moment that you said, I got to surrender? Man, uh, so, so I spent 18 months in prison, um, much later, even later down the road. Uh, and that's when I lost my, my marriage. I lost my CrossFit gym. I lost my reputation in the community. I lost everything. And uh, being in prison, most would think that, that would be a time that brings you to your knees, but I spent 18 months of hardened heart and anger towards God. So 18 months, I, I continued my, my run. Um, but I read book after book. I think the first 50 days, I read 50 books while I was in prison. And not like picture books or Dr. Seuss, like, you know, uh, Shoe Dog by, by Phil Knight. That's a good and book. Like, that's a great that's book. That's a really good book. Um, I love what know. he says at the end of that book. He's, he, looks at, he looks at everything, all the hardships and all the, you know, he had IRS troubles and all this kind of stuff. And he says, I wish I could do it all over again. Like, that's the end of the book, right, you know? Right. Sorry to spoil it. No, spoiler alert. No, yeah, <laughs> hey, if you haven't read it, it's, it's good. It's a good book. It's a good book. Um, 50 books. So you 50, read 50 books, books in 50 days. Like, I was just consuming knowledge. And my goal was really like your moment in rehab minus Jesus. So I was in there um, working out two times a day, just like, writing in my journal, doing some self-help, some self-healing. And when I hit the streets running, uh, I had no, no obligation to, you know, a, a wife or to life, really. It was just me trying to get myself back together. And so for the first year out of prison, I spent time, I was divorced and I had been married since I was 19. And so that first year was rough because I was trying to make up for all that lost time as far as dating goes. And so I was on dating apps. I was running amok, like, you know, hardened heart. Are you 30s, uh, mid 30s in this happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, this is 2018. This ain't wow. even that long ago. Um, and so I was out there, you know, tearing it up. And 
it was at the end of a relationship where I thought it was more serious than it was and found myself kind of broken, broken up a little bit about it, not broken hearted, but just kind of like, man, well, that didn't work. Um, this is the, the 13th time in the last year. Like, what am I doing with my life? And so uh, it was when I, I posted a TikTok. Um, at the time, I was doing social media training, like online training. I had this online training business um, working at a CrossFit gym that I had helped start. And I was posting content with my shirt off, exercise, you know, ab workouts, you know, and then verse of the day, minute of motivation with Coach Carter. I was like this motivational speaker. Uh, and, and one night I just was like, you know what? I need to like, I need to get back with God. That was like, I, I look back and I was like, man, when I was 23, that was the time that I felt the most purpose. And so I posted a TikTok and it was me just pointing at box. I didn't say a word. And it just said, things God's carried me through. And uh, it said divorce, foster care, prison, and everything else. I uh, posted the video and went to bed. And the next day, it had over, uh, I had over 15,000 new followers. Video went viral, like took off. And it was the first time I'd ever talked about God on my social media. Like I had never really talked about it. Like I had mentioned God, but never like a testimony. And so um, that was in December of 2019 where it came to my mind and I realized, oh, wow words of gold, speak to millions of people, called the ministry. This is the vehicle that's going to get me where I was called over 12 years ago. You remembered. Oh, you remembered that word. That always came up. It was almost like yearly. Um, people, I was doing minutes of motivation and people would come up and be like, you should be a pastor. And I was like, man, I don't even, I'm not even a Christian right now. Like, I don't even, like, I know who Jesus is, but I'm not serving him. I feel like it's that Lion King moment, like Simba, man. remember who you are. Exactly. And that was yearly. I would get these jabs. People would say stuff like that. And I would get so mad. I'm just like, I'm never going to be a pastor. Don't say that about me. Like, no, I'm like, man, you'd be, cause building a CrossFit gym is very similar to building a church. It's a community. You're going through hardship. You're when you're yeah. a trainer, you're a counselor yeah. many times. Yeah. So I built this CrossFit gym with over 200 members, and they would come and they'd be like, "Man, you'd be a great pastor. You mm -hmm. should start a church." And I would get so pissed. You know <laughs> no. why? You, you know why it's so similar? It's because you sweat and you bleed and yeah. you and you go through pain with those people. Yeah. And I think that's what. I mean, that's why JB doesn't like CrossFit because he doesn't want to do any of those <laughs> you things. You don't want to sweat or bleed. But like, <laughs> but like when you sweat and you bleed and you go through painful circumstances and you know, you rip your hands open, yeah. and, you know, you, you, you have this bond yeah. of what exactly we talked about earlier is you've got those scars to prove that you've been there. Yeah. I like yoga. Yeah. <laughs> hot, hot, hot body yoga. Naked Not like yoga. planting a church. Did you say naked <laughs> yoga? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know what kind of church that's like, <laughs> yeah. but uh, not a Christian. That was a joke. Yeah. But, but, uh, but I, I love that because I think that there is so many similar similarities, right? In yeah. that community, yeah. right? Which yeah. God's called you to be. 100%. Dude, I, I just, I love this. I love this so much. I, I would, I would talk to you for hours and we've already talked for hours. Yeah. Um, what is one, one thing that got like right now, hmm. you know, there's so many attributes of God, so many, so much depth you know, of God, what is the one attribute of God right now that God's really diving in and, and trying to say, Hey, I, Carter, I really want you to dive into this. What attribute of the Lord is he really showing you the most right now? Again, it would be integrity. Okay. Integrity, the way that we live, making sure that your, your public persona lines up with your private persona. Because, uh, I'll read in a really good book. I believe it's by David Pratt. Um, and it's called 
the danger, dangerous calling. And it's about the dangers of being in ministry and planting a church. And one of the, the biggest pitfalls is when a leader's private life doesn't line up with his mm -hmm. public life. And being in the public with social media and uh, in these platforms, you have this propensity or this desire to project something that you're not to try to fit in. And so even Tim preached on it last night about vulnerability, transparency, and being honest and raw. And so that's what he's speaking to me right now. All right. So somebody's phone's ringing, but that's cool. Um, so, so just be raw, just be transparent with us. Yeah. Yeah. What is that thing that you struggle with? And in, in, in the back scenes with the curtain down yeah, and yeah. The, when the lights are off, what's the thing that you struggle with on the integrity front? Comparison. Ooh. I wrestle with comparison uh, and, and really imposter syndrome and being unqualified. So I sit in rooms that I don't deserve to be in um, by my own standards. Obviously, I deserve to be there because God's putting me there. But I wrestle with people in my own mind because I see all of these men with qualifications. They've got seminary degrees. They've spent time. They've grown up in churches. Their fathers are pastors. Like They have all of these, these resumes that are extensive. And in some instances, what God's doing with our ministry in the social media realm uh, surpasses that. And so I, I, get, I, I wrestle with that. I struggle with it. Can I encourage you? Yeah, please. Man, like couple things you're so cool and i want you to know that like you're, <laughs> you. you're so cool and um um i've struggled with the same things and you know i was a i was a pastor for three years my dad was a pastor and you know everyone has their degree in theology and not me like mm. and i always felt like like i don't know what i'm talking about half the time like i'm trying to figure this out but um don't don't stop being you for sure and you have such amazing strengths and you're reaching people because they feel like they can connect mm -hmm. and um your the gift of you is touching many 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 people and you don't have to be anyone else you don't have to be anyone else you don't have to try to be anyone else you don't need a degree because God is living on the inside of you and it's apparent and that's all that matters. And, um, I just, I appreciate what you're doing and the rawness and the transparency because that's what this world needs. We don't need more theology degrees. They're good, mm -hmm. but we need real people with real struggles and real redemption and real stories. And that's what you have. And so it's special. And so, Thank you. Yeah, I received that. Yeah. No, I received yeah. that. That's big. That's yeah. good. That's good stuff. Thank you. That's so good. That's awesome. Well, we usually finish this off with a prayer. I'm really feeling like the Holy Spirit saying, uh, I, want, I want Andrew to finish it out. And so um, as, you, as you think about what this, this time has meant and what people are struggling with and the comparison and integrity and discipline, right? Um, I just want you to pray us out, dude. Um, it's what we like to do here. We like to, we like to help people. That's what, that's the reason trailers was created. It was actually created to help people meet them where they're at. So this is your camera right over here. All right. And if you want to like lean up your microphone or whatever, whatever your yeah. prayer stance is, and then let's just, let's just kind of go at it. And, uh, I want you to, I want you to tell these people, uh, I want you to bless them. I want you to pray over them. I want you to let them know, you know, yeah. what you, what you're supposed to say. Most definitely. Uh, thank you. And I'm honored. 
So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for this conversation. God, I just pray that whoever is under the sound of my voice, whoever's taken time to listen to this episode and this conversation, I just pray that it blesses them. God, I just pray that you would peel back the layers of things that they're going through, that you would touch their heart. Uh, God, that you would give them the boldness and the courage to reveal what it is that they may be hiding, that might be carrying shame or regret or fear. Maybe they're worried about the opinions of what others might think about what it is that they've gone through. But Lord, help them to see that there's purpose in the pain and that the stories that they have because of what you've carried them through are meant to unlock healing in others. Uh, God, I just pray that they would open their heart and they would receive your love and mercy and grace and redemptive power. God, I pray against the spirit of comparison and jealousy uh, and pride. And I just ask, Lord, that you would help them to see that they are loved, that they are blessed children of God, highly favored, that they have been set aside, chosen for good works and to glorify your name. Uh, We're just so honored that we're able to sit amongst one another, sharpening each other with stories, with testimonies of your goodness, of your faithfulness. God, I just pray that as they leave this place, that you would continue to work in their situation, that you would give them divine ideas, that you would give them supernatural blueprints, and uh, the spirit of creativity would wash over them, that they wouldn't see what they've gone through as a mountain that is insurmountable, but as a blueprint to really help them minister to others, God. We understand that our stories are keys that unlock healing to other people. So God, give them the boldness, the courage, and really just the authority in Jesus to share their stories boldly and to proclaim your goodness from the mountaintops. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And God, I just pray for Carter. Lord, Andrew Carter, God, what you are doing in his life for the ministry, for the people that you're having him go and tell Lord, this has been proclaimed for, for decades, God, what he's supposed to go do. So, Lord, let his ministry increase. Let, it, let his mantle be a double portion. God, I pray that you would let him be a man of integrity and of discipline and not of comparison. And, Lord, I pray that you would work in his life in an amazing way. God, as you're already doing, God, multiply it, Lord, in his life. We thank you for the blessing of having a brother that we get to spend all eternity with, working out the rest of eternity with. Amen. In Jesus' name. Let's go. Amen. Amen. Just Let's just not do front squats. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Dude, I love you, bro. Love you too. That's awesome. Oh.